Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My guest for episode 14 is none other than Richard Young, Grimsby's favourite son. I put that one together myself, uh, Youngie. And uh, Youngie has been around the business for 20 years plus now. He's done all facets of the business. He's done all sorts of jobs. You name it, he's done it within the business. He's attached with BWR out of Grimsby most recently, and they're running loads and loads of events. And as per usual, we talk about the origins of Youngie watching wrestling, getting into it, his favourites. Another great, great interview, and we are getting through these now. I'm so glad I've got to 14 episodes. And I thank everyone for the support. So here we go, episode 14 with Richard Young, a.k.a. Youngie, Grimsby's favourite son. It's my honour and privilege to have the ring announcer from BWR, Richard Young, on the line today. How's it going, Rich? Uh, Shuey, I'm very, very well. Uh, beautiful day, a lot going on, and always love to talk about grabs. So happy to be here. I appreciate you sparing some time for me, man. I really do. Now, we're going to get into the origins of you in the business, how you got started. But my first question, as always, as I ask all the guests, how did you get into wrestling? Well, my earliest memory is, because I, 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 I I've listened to a few of these and it seems to be a pattern that people don't have Sky Television. I was the same, I didn't have Sky Television. And what I remember being maybe 11 or 12 and there was a lad at school and he had a VHS copy of WrestleMania 8. So obviously Sid and Hogan and all that, you know, like, like a macho and flair. And I remember seeing like pictures of Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and Legion of Doom in shops and things like that. But didn't really know what they do. I thought it was some kind of TV show. And then when I watched it, I was just blown away, like straight off the bat, the, the colour, you know, the personality, all that kind of stuff. I just thought it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, so, uh, so that was kind of the start of it. And then that same guy, he. he a lad called Aaron, he was an absolute wrestling fanatic. He's, he, him and his family used to go to kind of local show, Dale Martin promotion shows that were in the local area, and he took me along with him. And then I got to see a different side of wrestling. And then there was a video shop near our house that used to do WCW tapes. And he used to get rent, you know, I remember getting Capital Carnage, the one with Robocop. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, yeah, the 12 year old me was thought that was the greatest thing in the world. It's like, it's wrestling, it's Robocop, this is just amazing. Um, and then, um, obviously, in hindsight, it wasn't the greatest, but, you know, as a 12 year old, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And, um, and then from there, TNT started to show Nitro. So I actually ended up seeing more of WCW because I didn't have Sky Sports. Yeah. So I was watching Nitro every week on TNT, and, but always just remained. Loved it. I, I just absolutely loved it and I, I was a proper fanboy. Still am. Still am after all these years. Absolutely. That's the that's the key, uh, mate. I, uh, you know, we're still, we're still watching it. I was in the same boat with, with the Sky. Uh, I used to get it recorded onto VHS, as I've said before. So, yeah. It was good. It was a good time though when we had WCW and uh, WWF going at it every uh, week. It was. It was really exciting. Absolutely. I think, and, and maybe AEW NXT now. Maybe that's kind of the start of a new kind of era in that sense. And, and I really hope so for 
the people of my age, uh, sorry, the people who were that age where I was, kind of 14, 15, to, to watch that then, it was so exciting. And like, you know, and then getting kind of Power Slam magazine and even PWIs and WE magazine and all that kind of like, just, it was, it was almost, there was, an, there was more an innocence to it without having the internet. Even though it was great to have the internet that came along and you found out kind of the inside bits, then there was, there was it was, there was more intrigue, there was more mystery. I, I kind of missed that. Who did you gravitate to uh, from a performer standpoint? Who who was who were your go-to uh, wrestlers at the time? You know, around that, around that time you were t- uh, talking about. Well, obviously, Randy Savage was the first person I ever saw win a belt. So that instantly, Randy Savage was kind of like, "Oh my, oh he's amazing!" Again, he's so colourful and um, he, he, he glided. Really, he moved. Didn't he? Uh, Randy Savage always moved really well for a heavyweight. Hogan, Hogan was always a bit kind of stiff and a little bit kind of, you know, you, you could see that early on. But Savage moved like a cruiserweight, but was a heavyweight. And I was always kind of, and then uh, Shawn Michael and Shawn Michaels kind of really took off. I, I, re- I always remember the first, the first WrestleMania I ever watched live, and I went to a friend's house, was was the Iron Man match, Bret and Michaels, and oh, I, I distinctly remember the whole room. In just in, in awe of Shawn Michaels and just supporting Shawn Michaels and and, and yeah he, he the guy was just amazing still well still is amazing in my eyes absolutely you know and so yeah Savage and Michaels obviously love the British Bulldog um, I was at Birmingham the night that um, he lost to Shawn Michaels Mate, remember it well and there was oh, oh there was an, it was a near right it was the first WF show I ever went to live oh right okay and it was just yeah, it, and a good, really good one to have, hasn't it? Because it was an excellent car, wasn't it? But um, yeah, I just remember the place nearly rioting when Michaels won, and yeah, fantastic, loved it. I watched that on a uh, box office. I didn't manage to get over there. Did SummerSlam '92, but obviously, I bet, oh, I bet you were in all that night. The matches, it was a good, uh, oh. good card for the UK one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. You had, you had Undertaker, Bret Hart. You know, which is obviously Michaels and um, Michaels and Bulldog. I think Vader and Savio Vega. I think were on that night. They had a decent match. Triple H Foley as well. So yeah, it was a really good card. Really good card. What uh, what match types did you like? I always, you know, I was always a tag wrestling fan. Yeah. I always, I, I, I always loved watching. I still do actually to this day. I, I love a good old-fashioned tag team match, one that's given a bit of time. And, and then I, I remember getting the VHS of Survivor Series, and I want to say 89, the one with the, and it's the, it's the, what, it's the one where all the tag teams are tagging on. So the Brain Busters, the Bulldogs, the Heart Foundation, all them kind of, you know, and, and, and just, just that amazed me. I love that. And, um, yeah, so I, was, I, I, I always loved proper tag wrestling. So any 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 anything from the you know the Rockers, the Bulldogs, even Legion of Doom. I know Legion of Doom are not maybe notorious for the work rate, but as a you know as a, as a teenager, you see these guys coming out and they look absolutely huge and the face paint they just look absolute menaces and and everything they do looks as close to real as possible than it probably was. But yeah, I, was, I think I think if you give me a preference of things, give me a good tag match and go. It's a good. It's a good. Good answer. It's nice to hear about. You know, you talk about tag teams, and not not many people have on, on previous episodes. So that's no great, great, great to hear that. And uh, my God, we were uh, blessed with some great tag teams, weren't we, when we were younger? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The the, the work rate. I mean, if you talk from a work rate perspective, and which I know you, when you're that age, you don't really know. About but you just see the cool moves and the way they move. The, them tactic, them tag team wrestlers. You're talking Dynamite Kid, Bulldog, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. All came, and Anderson, Tully Blanchard. All came from that tag division. They, 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 they had the best individual workers, and they were working tags. Unbelievable. How did you, how did you get your start in in wrestling yourself? What was your first role within wrestling? Yeah, so. It's, it's a bit of a convoluted story, but I'll explain. So, um, many of you, I'm, I'm guessing some of your listeners probably won't know this, but there's a, a, a guy who comes from Grimsby and is a wrestler by the name of Steve Knight. He wrestled um, for the UWA when it was on TV. Um, he was their, one of their champions. He was tag team champion for them as well. He also was FWA tag team champion with Ali Shane, and that was about as well. Well, Steve was promoting a local wrestling show 
in the area. And I, at the time, was I was 14 and I had a paper round, a local paper shop. And Steve came into the paper shop basically to ask if the paper boys would deliver his flyers for his show. Well, I'm a massive wrestling fan and I'm like, well, I would do anything. He's like, yeah, we'll give you a free ticket to the show and um, you can come along. And I went along and they had, he was on there and Drew McDonald was on that show and a few others kind of, of that British backbone back then. And it, I, I couldn't believe that there was a, a really good wrestler from Grimsby, low Grimsby. And so fast forward a couple of years and they had the first UWA tapings in London. I, mean, it was 15, I was 15 at the time, maybe 16. And if, it's, it's funny because I've literally just seen Steve. I've been for lunch with Steve about an hour ago. Um, and so I, I, I went on the train with a friend because I was so excited that this lad from this guy from Grimsby was going on a national TV taping. So I went from Grimsby to London on the train as a 15 year old and went and watched that show. And he did, he did really, he did fantastically. He looked great. He was on with against Doug Williams, I believe, and Jody Fleisch that night. And um, and I wrote a report. Do you remember the old UK fan forum? I do. Yeah, I do. To be fair. Yeah. yeah, the old the old the old UK fan forum was kind of in its infancy then, and I wrote a report on the show, and small you know in the small world thing, who happened to message me to to thank me for the report? Steve Knight, and Steve didn't remember me from he didn't remember me from the paper round, but I mentioned oh I'm from Grimsby as well, and 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 that was that, and we we, we kind of just stuck up stuck up a friendship from there, and he then was promoting shows under the UWA banner. So when I was 16, he, he went, right, you can referee for me. And that was it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I think the first match I ever had was Doug Williams. Doug Williams versus, I think, a guy called Dino Winsky. That was the first match I ever refereed. And um, we went from there. You are a bag of nerves. Oh, completely. I, I, you, you, you think you know, don't you? I think, I think when you watch it, you think, oh, the referee's job's easy. He just counts one, two, three, doesn't it? And then when you actually, when they're talking to you in the dressing room or whatever, and, and they, they're actually explaining what you, you need to be here for this, and you need to tell me this, and you need to be making me aware of the time, suddenly like, oh, there's, there's a lot more to it than you think there is. And that, that's when that's when you realise, oh, mate, am I in over my head here a little bit? And, and I remember I remember kind of early on making making a few gaffes, but nothing, I mean, nothing, nothing that ruined matches or anything like that, but... You just learn with time, and then obviously with time, the trust of people you work with comes, and uh, and obviously I got more shows after that. Awesome, man. I suppose, like, yeah, you, ha- you had to be put in the deep end, I guess. It's a different... Gen- and it's, well, I think it's bear in mind, I mean, that's 20 years ago, so the generation was a little bit different then as well, because it, it, it's the kind of the, the fallout of... The world of sport guys, really. He was a kind of back end of the, you know, back end of their careers, coming up to this. The, what, what is a, you know, the last generation? I suppose the people like Doug and Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm were coming through then. So it was a different generation to it is now, a less forgiving generation. You know, they didn't, you know, people weren't allowed in the dressing rooms willy nilly and things like they, maybe they are nowadays. You know, you had to kind of earn respect. So it was a very, it was a very, very different environment. I know, obviously, you, you know, you hear about the backstage etiquette, and I'm sure it's still in place now. But I bet, even like from what you're telling me, even more so than the etiquette. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the dressing, you know, dressing rooms are a lot more relaxed now. I think it's not to say that you know there's certainly boundaries, absolutely. But you know, now the kind of the band-aid's been ripped off kayfabe, so to speak. The I think there is a lot more of a relaxed nature. It's seen more as performance now, but. Then there were still, you know, there were still wrestlers that took that very seriously and took that, you know, took kayfabe very seriously, and, and still wanted to protect that. And still, you know, if you you had to earn the right to be there, I wasn't allowed to dress. The first show we ever did, I mean, it was small chain. It was a show called Casablanca. It was a place called the Casablanca Club, and it was a pretty small venue. And changing rooms weren't massive, but I wasn't allowed in changing rooms. I had to stay in the hallway and get changed there. And then it was, you can come in when we tell you to come in. Do you think? Do you think that? Do you think it is needed in some respects now? That sort of, or do you think because it has I moved? Because it, it has moved on, it, it's not needed. I, I I think we're past that point now. I think I I I do think that there's. I certainly think that there's got to be 
not hierarchy, so to speak, but I, th- I certainly think that maybe that it has to be more respect shown to perhaps the more experienced guys. I've been in locker rooms where people have maybe had three or four matches in the business, have got the stuff laid out, and they're taking off a massive chunk of the changing room and things like that. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, there's guys here that's been, you've been in this business for 15, 20 years that are not, not that demanding, so to speak. But it's changing, and I'm always one to like, you don't fight change. It is what it is. Life changes, we all move on, things change, and what, there's no point being a bitter old man and going, oh, well, back in our day, we did it like this. How how long were you refing for then? Uh, I think I ref for about on and off. I think I ref for maybe ten years. I, I I did. What would used to basically happen was that Steve would get a book in and he would go, "I've got a friend who was a referee. Would you like me to bring him with you?" And, he, and they'd go, "Yeah, fine," because that's another person who ticked off a car list and that's another car full and that's you know that's a cheaper booking for them. So I get bookings through that way. But then when Steve got to FWA, so when he when FWA kind of booked him, that was the time where they'd started to get on TV with the wrestling channel. They, um, I, I pretty much got every FWA. So uh, I think I think FWA was pretty much the last refereeing that I did thinking about. Cool. Like obviously, I remember uh, FWA fondly. Who uh, just for the listeners, who was passing through FWA at the time? Oh, it was it was a really great time, really really exciting time. You had Doug Williams, Birchall, Alex Shane, Jody Fleiss, Johnny Storm. Um, you had the America, obviously the Imports. So I worked on the shows with CM Punk, Chris Daniels, Daniel Bryan, um, all the ECW guys that passed through. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a mega. Mega, mega exciting time. Like it was, it was such a buzz to be part when it when it was in its peak. And then them shows at Broxbourne. When I, I did the, always remember doing the finish for the Alex Shane Steve Carino match. And I don't know if you remember that angle, but the built it was built up for like a year where they did a shoot kind of thing where you know Steve Carino went online and claimed that Alex Shane had cheated him out of money or whatever, and they built it. And actually, Carino then appeared on FWA show, and they did a big blow off match at Broxbourne. And I did the free count for that. There'd been a couple of referee bumps, and I came in, did the third free count, and that place exploded. Absolutely exploded when that finish of that match came in. It was it was so exciting. It 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 really fell at that point that we cracked it. We were always certainly close to cracking it. It was it was it was the lead promotion at the time. Obviously, we didn't have as many promotions, and did we as as we have now in in Britain? You know. No, and, and in a way, FWA is kind of always its own worst enemy in that sense because it, it was the first to kind of show we can, oh, we know, look, we can book people from America, we can we can get these indie talent and we can make it and enhance our show and work this very different style. It was, and because of that, a lot of people then came along and went, oh, we can do that as well. And then suddenly 1PW came along and a few others came and kind of came along and and the, the, mar- the market started getting stretched then because suddenly there was competition. Not to say that competition's a bad thing, of course, but the... And then a, f- a few of the FWA guys started getting signed as well. Yeah. The guys, the, the indie guys were kind of starting to thin out. And it, just a lot of a lot of things, really. And, and, and suddenly FWA wasn't fashionable anymore. A bit like, I suppose it's a bit like the TNA situation in the States where for a long, long time, it, they were the fashionable number two. Yeah, and now now it's not seen like that anymore. And it was kind of like that with FWA. They were seen as the kind of the fashion, fashionable alternative to WWE in, in this in this country. Probably the worst thing that happened to FWA was TV. In hindsight, because it wasn't it was a great live product, but it perhaps didn't translate so well on TV. And I think once that happened, it was kind of the beginning of the end, unfortunately. Were the you know the other upstart companies around that time? Do you think they were going on the same ethos as FWA, or am I wrong to say that? Oh, I think so. I think I think a lot saw that model and went, "That is a model we've got." But one PW certainly. Um, you know, I think a lot of people saw that model and went, "Oh, that works. Oh, we can do that." And plus, as well, you know. I hate to say the word mark, but there was a lot of mark promoters out there as well. At the time we would go, you know, essentially would just marking for themselves because they could book somebody from America and pay them extortionate amount of money. I mean, one, 
some of the money that one PW were paying people, we couldn't afford to compete with that. They were paying extortionate amounts. And from there, which is ironic, because I've actually, in recent months, started speaking to Steve Gordon, actually, which is actually irony. But, um, but yeah, we, we couldn't cope with that. And, and they'd say there was a... It was a lot of it was a lot of small things, but that was a massive contribution. Do you think they should have uh, gone with local talent and national talent then, more so than going for the big international names? Do you think they should have been? I know they do that now. I know the promotions go with that, and they do book uh, you know from abroad yeah, as well. It was, but it, it was a catch twenty two because unfortunately they when they when they were trying to sell them initial shows, then what Bethnal Green and things like that, the international stars were the draw. And I think the, the problem is then you become a victim of your own success because the expectation comes, well, every show's got to have international names on it. And FWA did try and then weasel it out at the end. They did try to kind of like push away the international talent and start promoting more with the with purely British shows. And, and be, But because the audience had almost been spoiled and because they could see international names elsewhere, they slowly started leaving FWA, which was such a shame. Who, who else did you work for? Um, I did, as a ring announcer, I did IPW's first few shows. Yeah. Um, I worked for, uh, when FWA folded, I did, as a ring announcer, I worked for Greg Lambert uh, at XWA, who I'm, I'm still great friends with today. I read his um, book. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a lovely man. Lovely man. Great mind for the business. Really, really good creative mind for the business. Um, I can't say enough good friend, things about Greg. He, he's a you know great lad. In fact, when I was on Popmaster this morning, he messaged me instantly. Went, you on Popmaster? Like, yeah, because he's been on it himself. So uh, <laughs> that's a different story. But um, it, so yeah, so I worked for them. I worked for um, BCW in Scotland. Yeah, uh, that, they were the first person I ever ring announced, and they did. So, I mean, they they brought some real names across. I mean, I remember doing the show. With, it was a day. Ironically, it was the day that Eddie Guerrero died doing the show with D'Lo Brown and Mick Foley in Kilmarnock. Because um, me, me, Steve Knight, travelled with D'Lo and Mick to the show. Um, so they were really kind of like really spending money on imports. Um, but now, I mean, um, Graeme, Graeme McKay, who's the promoter there now, because Scotland's got such a good scene now, which wasn't the case then. Um, doesn't need to do that anymore, and, and he still runs to this day. He still gets great crowds, and uh, and, and fully deserved because they're, they're a hard-working bunch of them. You got you 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 did spread your wings then. Yeah, it was well, anyway. It was it was a case of anywhere where Steve went, I went, and um, it, you know it, it was thankfully that promoters had the trust in Steve. If they if he said, "I know this guy can do a job," they went, "All right, we trust you." And, and I was very, very fortunate just to have a friend that, you know, helped me helped me along the way, really. He almost acted as my agent because like, I just get a, I get a message from him going, you're free for this day, we've got a book, we've got a book in or whatever. And, and, and that's how it works. But I was, you know, if, if I didn't, didn't meet Steve, that wouldn't have happened. So, um, I'm, yeah, very fortunate. Everything happens for a reason, Richard. It does, absolutely. Superb. Um, what sort of numbers were the promotions drawing? Obviously, the promotions you've talked about at the time. Yeah, um, BC, Scotland was a mixed bag. I remember they, they used to have a sh- they used to have a venue in Kilmarnock which used to, used to do really really well. They used to pack that place out three hundred four hundred a show. Um, but then they'd do other places in Scotland and it'd be dead. We'd be lucky to get one hundred eighty people. I remember doing a show and, and it was like in a village hall, maybe had eighty people in, and they booked uh, Mitsuharu Masala. On the show, we're talking like this Japanese legend who's been used to selling out shows at you know Corican Hall and all these places, and there he was in a village hall in Carluke in Scotland with about eighty people there. Uh, very bizarre. Um, I mean, doing the shows like the I mean, did the Coventry Sky Dome for the it was the Wrestling Channel show, but FWA were promoting it vicariously. Um, Two thousand people. Was it international show now? International show. I, yeah. I worked as a timekeeper on international showdown. Um, so the so they were getting great crowds. But then, I mean, I, when IPW first started, they were maybe getting one fifty two hundred in. Uh, Greg Greg uh, Morgan was always getting good crowds. I mean, he, he got a solid three hundred four with every show, and, and they were because they were they were very much local story show. So they he was very clever at the way he he 
booked it so every show had an ongoing story to the next one so and people had a reason to come back it's cool man i'll tell you what you're multifaceted with all the the jobs you've done in and around the business that's uh i find i find it incredible obviously because i've spoke to the previous people and they've done like maybe like one one area of the business it's cool to it's refreshing to hear that you've done you know a little bit of you know different you've been all over the business which is cool different jobs yeah, and obviously I mentioned to you previously. I've, I've promote, we promoted as well, and that's. I mean, you you want to talk a tough job? That's a tough job. <laughs> and I would, you know, you've got if you want to promote, my word, you've got to dedicate time because that is, you know, you, I think you don't realise the logistics of promoting until you do it. it. It's it's all good just putting a card together and trying to market something, but actually the amount of people relying on you as a promoter once you actually do it, unbelievable. Don't even, you don't even realise the responsibility involved. What were the why? What made it challenging? I know that's very that's probably a broad question. Yeah, well, we we so basically we ran a couple of shows in Hull um, under the banner of IWP International Wrestling Promotions. We ran under, and it was a big venue. So it was like it was, so. Firstly, our aim, our first aim was the promotion of it. So the promotion of it, it was. In, in our heads, in me and Steve's head, was that every per- if, if if the majority of this city don't know there's a wrestling show going on, we've failed. That's that was our that was our philosophy. And obviously, this is before the internet became massive, and it was easier to promote on social media and things like that. So we were literally spending days, you know, four days going and postering and postering and flyering and going to local sporting events and getting the word out and just trying to hit as many people as possible. That was the first stage. Steve dealt with all the kind of the, the wrestler side of it, but obviously on the day, then you've obviously got to deal with the booking and the promoting and the time ordering and the ring coming, merchandise and all these things that you you maybe take a little bit for granted when you've not got experience of it. You kind of, you, you, uh, but all them things need to sort in. And then, then we had uh, that show, that first one that, we did there, uh, which we were very thankful, got a massive crowd, we got over a thousand people. Um, our The only picture we had on the poster was Jake Roberts. We booked Jake Roberts for the show. And um, we Jake Roberts, it was about maybe three or four hours before the show, and he's, he wasn't there. And Pitbull Mike from the UK Pitbulls, who saw, saw again, saw a really good friend. He was, he was living quite near Jake at the time. We were like, have you heard anything from Jake? He went, oh, I'll ring him. So he rings up Jake Roberts and he goes, oh, Jake, where are you? And he goes, uh, I'm in Portsmouth. Now, if you know your geography, Portsmouth and Hull, quite quite a distance. <laughs> uh, we're, talking, uh, we're talking at least four or five hours trying to drive. Um, he got the wrong day for the show. He thought the show was the week after. So well, suddenly... There was no point even saying to Jake, come to the show. So we had to come out at the beginning. We had to rearrange the show. Now, this is, and, and, he, and I thank Pitbull Mike for this because he, his, his idea pretty much saved the show. He, um, Spud, a very young Spud, was there. And um, he suggested that instead of Jake Roberts in his tag match, to put Spud in this tag match. Um, nobody knew who Spud was at that time, really. He'd never been featured on any major shows and Spud, Spud agreed to do a, a balcony jump for us for very little money I'd like to point out as well and he and because of that the crowd absolutely forgot that Jay Roberts wasn't even there they were absolutely in awe of him and even though they didn't know who this guy was suddenly was like oh my word I, this is something we've never seen before and at the beginning of the show, because I was ring announcing as well, I, I, I ring announced, look, you know, if anybody wants a refund, you know, please go to, please go to the reception and, you know, claim your refund. Um, out of a thousand odd people, we literally had one person. And so yeah. the stress of that, all that stress, yeah. and that, that relief, but yeah, I mean, but that, 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 that's, and that's the other thing when you're a promoter as well, you, you've got to think, you can only do so much, but you're also reliant on other people. You're relying on people turning up. You're relying on, especially when you're an independent 
promoter, and we've we've seen that at the moment with PWR. We'll talk about later, but um, you're like you're so reliant on people doing posters for you or designing, or maybe you know the wrestlers turning up or everything going to plan, or people not being stuck in traffic. All these things that you, you just take for granted, you, you know. And we were just doing a couple of shows. You know, you imagine that promoters that run all the time, they've got these stresses every day. So you know, anyone who does it, my heart goes off to you. I, I can't get over how many promotions we've got in the UK now. You know, I know it's been going on for many years now, but it's it's superb. But uh, it's cool to hear that you know booking booking shows and you know as a fan, I take that for granted. You don't think about the inner workings of the business that you know you you have to deal oh, that's with. That's what it is. It's a, it, it, yeah, it's a business, so it's it's easy to forget that. You know, it's it's one thing being a fan and going oh, this is my dream card and I've got these people I can do with this. But that's a very, my, it's a very small part of a very big cog. I would, what I would say to anybody who wants to promote is try and work alongside experienced people that you trust. People that have been there and done it. Or, or, or at least have a couple of wrestlers on the show. If you ever promote a show, try and have experienced hands on there. People that are going to, that know their ins and outs that you can trust and you, you, you can, they can pass back knowledge I think always always look at that side of it absolutely um, I think we should maybe speak about uh, BWR then and, and what uh, well, let's let's, yeah, let's, let's hit let's hit it I think you know so uh, what what was your role within BWR yeah well, well basically um, BWR came about about two and a half years ago um, and B, uh, just to explain how BWR came about, um, Grimsby's always had quite a strong wrestling scene over the years. Um, back in the day, um, like I mentioned to you earlier, I used to go and watch Day Online promotions, and this was kind of mid nineties. And then before that, Brian, you know, Brian Dixon and Dale Martin used to all run shows in the area. They used to run shows literally against each other, half a mile away, and they both used to be packed out. So Grimsby Cleefold has always had a, a strong wrestling threshold. Um, FW, when I was with FWA, we used to run Cleethorpes at the Winter Gardens. Um, all Star Wrestling came back and run locally, so it's always been like, it's always been a busy market. And then. Ten years ago, maybe, there was a promotion called Real Deal Wrestling. I don't know if you've heard of them. I know, no, they, I haven't. Yeah, they, they, so basically they ran Grimsby and Cleethorpes quite a lot, and it's with a lot of the talent that BWR use now. So, But towards the end, Real Deal, and they had a training school as well. And I, I did a few shows for them, like on and off, you know, as a ring announcer. And so when they kind of went by, fell by the wayside, and... Some of the lads that had kind of trained with Real Deal Wrestling didn't have a platform anymore. So they created their own platform, which was BWR. So I, uh, again, ironically, Steve Knight gets involved, even though he wasn't even living in the country at this point. So basically, um, so Steve was back in, back in the UK, and they asked Steve to come and guest referee a match. Doug Williams was in the match. And I came along to the show with him. And it was a classic. Now, you always hear the old um, adage of always bring your gear. Always bring your gear. If you're a wrestler or a ring announcer or a referee or whatever it is, and you're going to a wrestling show as a fan, always bring your gear because you never know. And look at how whilst I was there, the ring announcer, they weren't sure about the ring announcer they were using. And I was there, they went, would you ring announce tonight? And I went, yeah, why not? I'm here. And so I did a ring announce the show for them. And then from there... The promoters who were um, the other two promoters, uh, Kay and um, Adam, approached me about kind of helping them, you know, write the shows and book shows. And so we we run shows pretty much every month um, in a few different venues locally. Our, our main venue is the Memorial Hall in Cleveland, which is a, a fantastic old British wrestling venue where I went to my first ever show. And so and we run regularly, and we've used some really really great people over the kind of the last few years Kip Sabian Pete Dunn um, Sugar Dunkerton Cody Hall um, we 
using the Grizzle Young Vets in a couple of months' time, Jimmy Havoc, Jody Fleiss, Johnny Storm, Doug Williams, so, and as well as some really, really talented local guys at the moment who, who I'm, I, I, you know, I've got great belief can go on and, and really do something in the industry. Um, and yeah, we're, we're running shows to healthy crowds every month and there's a great buzz for it. And it's, you know, in 20 years, it's the most I've ever enjoyed wrestling. And that's, that, that says a lot because I've, I've been and seen a lot. So it's great. That, that was a, a quite, quite an array of talent, that then. You just fired off. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, obviously, the Grizzle, Grizzle Jung Vats are uh, not far away from me here. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, I thought with NXT UK and that, they weren't going to be able to, promotions weren't going to be able to book them. But obviously, it's not, it's not the case, is it? Certain promotions are, I don't want to say on WWE's blacklist, but I think they. They don't. WWE don't like certain promotions right. using their talent. Um, we've we have had the hit of WWE quite a bit. Um, we we used Pete Dunne a couple of times when he was champion, when he was WWE UK champion, and it was you know. But unfortunately, he got, they they started to enhance once the once the UK brand started running more shows, they started to be a lot more picky and choosy about what talent. Can go and work elsewhere. Only certain people have got exclusive deals. In fact, I'm not even sure if any of the UK guys have got exclusive deals because you know even Pete Dunne is still working for certain promotion. Though I think they might be WWE affiliated promotions like Progress and ICW and places like that. But essentially, we what happens is for the guys that are on the what they call the retainer con- retainer contracts, which is essentially they have to give, they get paid to give WWE priority. So say Grizzled Young Vets, for example, if, if, if NXT UK had a show that night, there was no way we're using them because WWE had priority. After that, if WWE don't need them that night, if there's no requirement for them to be used, then they're allowed to take bookings with WWE's permission. And that's how, that's kind of how it works. Cool, good bit of insight that. That's yeah, I've learned something there. That's that's brill. Um, just to go totally off the promotions and the work you've been doing, what uh, what superstars are you liking at the moment in the present, you know, present day? Oh, are we talking worldwide? You can you can go worldwide. You can go local to you, uh, national. Yeah, just just yeah. Yeah, we'll, 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 that's what we'll, we'll go. World, national, UK. There, Lovely. We'll, we'll go in that order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, AJ Styles. I still think he's absolutely amazing, phenomenal. Even oh, I should have got that pun in, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, you watch AJ Styles every weekend, and I, I, I met AJ early on at FWA, and if somebody had said to me then, "Oh, this guy would become this kind of worker working for WWE." As a main event guy on a regular basis, I would be like, no chance. <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, but no, but I mean, not to say that, not to be disrespectful to say he was bad, but the, that style of wrestling that he was working there, he would never think what he would evolve into. And he's just amazing. He's, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, I also really, I really like, you know what, I really like Cody Rhodes at the moment. I, I thought that match with him and Dustin at the AEW pay-per-view um, about three, four months ago, wasn't it? Fantastic. Best match of the year for me. Just told a brilliant story, emotional. So, uh, just, yeah, ticked every box of the style of kind of wrestling that I like. So, yeah, I'm a big Cody Rhodes fan. Um, as well, Seth Rollins is, is great, isn't he? I mean, I love The, the Fiend. He's an amazing character, though. We could talk about Hell in a Cell, but uh, that's a different story. I've not actually watched it yet, Rich. Believe it or not. No, I haven't watched it. I, I haven't watched it either. But like, obviously, I've been told what happens. I'm like, oh, it's a bit cringy. But there you go. I don't know uh, about the red lighting. No, I'm not keen on that. No, I think it doesn't need. They've already done enough to show that that character has got presence and has got threat. That's just overegging the pudding. That's what that is. It's almost like when they get to the fifth or sixth film in a horror series, where it's a bit like, come on now. Don't, doesn't need to go to this extreme. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it's like. But the best way I can describe it. But so yeah, so they, they're kind of a few nationwide. I mean, UK wise, um, obviously Kip Sabian's gone to 
Um, AEW, he's, he's absolutely superb. Ricky Knight Jr. is phenomenal. I'll, I'll put that on there now. Ricky Knight Jr., if, if he's not starring in a big promotion in a few years' time, I will eat my hat. Miss, he is absolutely superb. Mr. Colwell's hot on him. Oh, he, he, he loves him. He's, he, he absolutely does. He, he's, he, he, he is the second coming of his dad. I mean, when I see his dad and I see him, the way they move, the way they look, the way they talk, is you know, it's identical, but he's phenomenal. He's very, very good. And, and, and when we're lucky, we use him in BWR quite a bit, and he's our Cruiserweight champion at the moment. Um, and he's feuding with Robbie X as well, who is also absolutely fantastic. Really, really good worker. I'm really high on Brady Phillips at the moment. Um, Brady Phillips, I think, has, has got a huge future. Tall. It reminds me, it reminds me of a young uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, and we were, we, I worked with Drew quite a bit in Scotland when he was really young. And you always saw that there was something there. And Brady Phillips reminds me of that. There's, there's, there's something about him. He's, he's got charisma. He's got a great look. He can work. I think there's, there, there's something very special in him. Um, and local-wise... Um, our champion Reese Ryan. Um, Reese has been Reese started when he was very very young. He was about 14, 13 when he was first match. He's now in his early twenties. He actually lives in London now, but he is originally from here and, and he comes back for kind of every show. He's super charismatic. Um, he, he's got acting background. And you can see he's very very different to what a lot of people offer. He's very character driven, which you maybe don't get a lot in, with British wrestlers nowadays, but he's very much about the character. And um, he's got, I think he's got a big future. And the other the other one, and we talked about tag teams earlier, are the Rourke and Cole Express, Scotty, Scotty Rourke and Cole Quinzel. I don't know if you, if you follow kind of um, social media at all or much, but um, Scotty recently got a three-part documentary on Radio 1. Um, and it was about how wrestling saved his life and it was that's what it's called wrestling saving life and it's on the bbc sounds app now for anyone who wants to listen and basically it's a chronicle because you know he he's come through a really bad bout of mental health uh, problems and depression um and it's about how essentially how the the outlet of wrestling has helped him and he's a super honest very char- you know a, not, i wouldn't say a, a charismatic guy like a rock but I just and naturally I, I I call them I call them the wrestling version of Anton Deck, the two of them. I think they've got a very kind of quiet, deprecating self sense of humour, very funny but but can work. They're really, really good. And they're starting to get now a lot more bookings nationwide and, and, and I really hope that they I really hope that something happens for them because I, I honestly think it's a bright future and I'm really proud that they you know, we kind of started them off. So, yeah, it's great. That was cool, man. That's good. Uh, good array of, uh, you know, talent, local, national, international. No, it's cool, man. Uh, I'm, I'm just going back to AJ Styles, uh, in my opinion, just glad they managed to get him because, obviously, he was doing so well in Japan, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, the, 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 there was always going to be, if he didn't go to WWE, there was always going to be that question mark on his career, I think was always going to be that kind of, ah, but he never went to WWE. And, and let's be honest, like a lot of people were probably cynical when he signed with WWE and he debuted, or oh, they'll ruin him, they'll not. But he, what, he was champion within four months of being there? Who would, I mean, who would have thought that, really? Like, who, who, would have, who would have honestly thought that they would really, really kind of like give AJ Styles that ball and he took that ball and he ran with it and, you know, he's, I think I read last year that he, he earned something like three million, four million dollars in the last year. Well, there you go. There's your, there's your answer to why you go there. He's, he, he's, he's doing some of the best work in his career and he's, and he's earning for it as well. More power to him. I wonder how, I wonder how this draft's going to go. Yeah, I wonder. I, I think it sounds like the, the more I think the bigger names are going to go to SmackDown. Yeah, the sound of it. Juice of Fox, the, yeah. Fox, Fox, yeah. Fox need wants that legitimacy, doesn't it? Yeah, it might not be a bad thing for Kofi perhaps to come to Raw. That might not be a bad thing. Um, or maybe the, or the New Day as a whole to go to Raw. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see AJ Styles go back to SmackDown. Um, 
obviously Brock will go to SmackDown, I'm guessing, because he's, cha- he's champion, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see on Friday, won't we? I think just, obviously, the, the last established talent now on Raw, uh, with, with those three hours... It could be, you know, it could be really good, couldn't it? And then, obviously, like you say, the established talent go over for two hours on a Friday. Uh, it'd be cool, yeah. like you say, to get get some of the younger ones more established and, uh, you know, give them a chance, maybe in that three hours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe with perhaps the less focus of Raw being the flagship show now. I think, you know, perhaps with the shows having more of an even keel, there'll be. You'd like to hope that there's going to be more faith placed on the people on Raw a little bit to kind of, you know, to, especially you're right, they've got a three-hour show to fill. So you can afford to have a few more to, you know, maybe the less you use. I mean, Buddy Murphy is a prime example. I mean, whenever I've seen Buddy Murphy, I've been really, really impressed. But since that kind of match with Roman Reigns that he had on SmackDown, I think he had a match the week after. He's never been used on TV since. But that's because he's, a t- you know, I mean, with adverts, it's less than two hours, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like an hour and a half of, of wrestling, aren't you? So, it's someone like him will benefit from having that extra hour, maybe going to Raw and, and seeing where his career can end up from there. I love the uh, I love the sets, Rich, as well. I like the set design oh, and, and, yeah. and they're totally different now, aren't they? I mean, obviously, with pay-per-views, yeah. they're all the same. It just gives it the identity, doesn't it? Everything's got its own identity now. It's how a proper brand, brand, brand split should be. Yeah. It, it should, you know, they, they, the show should get, have their own feel about them. And maybe, because obviously the talk is that, that Fox wants to make the, the show more legitimate, don't they? They want to make it kind of a legitimate wrestling show and want to make it more serious-based than maybe what Raw is going to be. And that's good. That should, you know, if, if they, they should be doing that because that gives every show a different feel. And it, it kind of like, okay, well, I watch Raw because it's more... It's more angle based. It's more entertainment based. And I watch SmackDown because you're always guaranteed a good 15, 20 minute main event or whatever. So yeah, yeah, it gives it gives each show a, di- a different feel, and that's that's how it should. That's what a proper brand split should be. Uh, going on to uh, just to go off into NXT, um, what are your thoughts on Imperium? Just thought we'd give it a bit, you know, European touch now to the show. Yeah, Walter's phenomenal, and he? he's brilliant. He, he, you know, and um, a good, a good move as well, moving... Uh, oh, God, I forgot his name. Um, Alexander Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. yeah, Alexander Wolf, yeah. Moving Wolf off the SmackDown, because they, they were just dragging the heels when that never worked. Um, and obviously they moved Killian Dame off it as well. Yeah. I met I, I met Damo, I did a show for Nicolas, uh, I announced a show for Nicolas in Grimsby, he did the, one of the big venues and he was promoting the show here. And I remember seeing it, Damo there and going, God, he's going to be a star. He just knew it straight off the bat. Like, you know, having that size and, and having, uh, he had like a real natural charisma about him. And, and, but when they got moved to SmackDown, I, I feel for Eric Young because he's not getting used at all, is he? Such a superb um, talent, you know, and, and it's just there's so many people, there's so many people in the roster, isn't it? It's, it's sometimes. It's the thing, it's a problem. It's the problem. It's when. You, 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 we moan about probably too much wrestling. Oh, it's a three-hour show, and they've got this, that, and the other. But actually, for the amount of talent they've got, they need another six hours a week <laughs> because they've got that much. Um, and and there's, you're right. There's, I mean, it's a bit like the, the, the later days of WCW when they they had 120 people on the roster, and the, yeah, there was people. I oh, was it Lanny, Lanny Poffo who notoriously had a three-year deal and never got used on TV once, and was taking home. 500k a year for sitting at home and doing nothing. Seeing that on uh, um, kayfabe commentaries with Sean Oliver and talking yeah. about that, yeah, it's quite, uh, yeah, quite. But that's how mismanaged it was, wasn't it? All, oh yeah, my god, absolutely. the con. Carry on, mate. You say you went. Yeah, you say. Yeah, I mean, it's. They, I think they had an Iron Sheik signed as well, and it, and, and they wasn't using him, and he was getting paid X amount. But yeah, it's unreal how that. But that's the problem with guaranteed contracts. That's a different story, but yeah, back on to NXT. Um, yeah, I think a Europe. It's great to see a European faction on, on that show, and if it gives and as well with Walter being UK champion, if, if if him being on that show means that the UK brand gets a rub off that as well. Brilliant, more more power to him. So hopefully, in the pipeline, there'll be something with undisputed era. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would be that they, they, you know, they put some great matches on them three. Uh, the, the other one was 
were talking about maybe, which I heard a rumour of, was moving the OC to um, NXT for a brief period and feuding with the with the um, Undisputed Era, but surely they wouldn't waste, well, that's not waste of AJ Styles, but surely they wouldn't put AJ Styles on, on a show. You'd like to think not anyway. And obviously, uh, Finn. Finn's come over, hasn't he? So, well, that, that, and that's a smart move with him going on network. And, and for Finn, you know, he can be he can be a big fish there and get main event matches and get time. And yeah, absolutely. It's you know, and and, and what he did for Drew McIntyre sometimes having that step backwards to prove yourself. Will mean more when you go back forward. Again. I wish, I wish yeah. they'd put the belt on. I wish he got the the title. Uh, he had such a build, didn't he? And then they, they put him with Shane McMahon and Elias. And oh, I was, I was gutted because you know, love Drew like yourself. You know, uh, met Drew. Uh, it was time for him to get the belt, wasn't it? Lost, you know. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, they have momentum. They have real momentum with him, and I, I think they've lost that a little bit. Maybe the brand split will bring that back again. But, yeah, uh, it, it, they. they they ne- it was almost like they didn't fully trust him for a main event view, which is just, which is such a shame. I hope I hope that I hope that comes back and I hope he gets his chance again. Um, trying to think now, who who else in the who else in the tag division? Because you were saying about tag division when you were younger, who you who you liking in terms of the tag teams in WWE? I mean, despite the recent problems, I love. I mean, the Usos are a great team. Um, obviously a lot's happened to them recently hasn't it and whether whether or not that means they're going to get taken off TV for a while I don't know um, and obviously when the New Day in that, you know when when they have I mean I think Big E is a tremendous worker uh, a really really great Big E he's such an athlete he's got great charisma and I think they, they you know when it's him um, Xavier or Kofi they're always a good team the revival of great I just I'd wish they'd get more time and more chance to do something because they're just so crisp and you know in NXT they were having some absolutely stormers weren't they um, but they're just not getting a chance to do that on the main roster um, Bobby Roode and Dolph had a, they haven't really had time to really become a proper team have they um, even though they're champions at the moment um, and I think the Viking Raiders as well I think that they're very very different um, they can I mean the movement for their side. Oh my days! Yeah, insane, insane. And, and but and I hope that they, I hope they give them a serious chance to do something. It's uh, I, I just can't get over you saying about Damo Killian Dane. It's it's the agility. I mean, going back going back into nineties, Vader, Bam Bam, these big guys, the way they move. It's, Absolutely, it's incredible, isn't it's it? Nice gravity, don't Yeah, I, I, that's what I like. It should happen. Yeah. No, no, defies, yeah, defies belief, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. Right, Mr. Richard Young, thank you very much for coming on episode fourteen of Stu's Wrestling Podcast today. What a pleasure! Thank you very much, and lovely to chat to you. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having us. I will get you back on in due course uh, to come on talk about your shows that you're doing as well. We'll get you. I will get you back on. I promise. Appreciate that. Thank you very much, Stu. Bit of, bit of promotion. Always love self-promotion, absolutely. <laughs> Always the best guy. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much for coming on, mate. Many thanks to Zang Wills once again for providing the theme music for the show. This track is Patio Paradise by the Zang Wills. UEP In Amongst the Glitter is out now on all the major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. It's on them all, so please get listening. I will tag them in the show uh, pages as well. So you've got text there so you can get it all sorted. Sports Social Podcast Network.